So, hi, Jamie, and um, you know, congratulations on this gorgeous, gorgeous distillery that you've created and this beautiful brand, um, Brass Lion. Uh, it's great to be here today. So, uh, I believe you're actually a former restauranter before you are a gin distiller. So, um, tell us a little bit about that journey and uh, what made you make the switch from F&B to uh, gin. So I used to be living in the used to live in the US, and when I came back to Singapore, I was ready to start my own business. Um, I knew um, quite early on that I wasn't really about the nine to five. I really wanted to create my own thing, and one thing that I loved was hospitality, creating new concepts and new experiences. So, did you study um, culinary in uh, the US? So, no, actually, I was a finance major. Okay, <laughs> business. It does business. help for business. Yeah. 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 So I did that for a little bit, uh, about a year, and then came back. Um, so I was in my early 20s. Um, and actually, when I first moved back, I won a startup competition. Um, so I won my first bar. Um, yeah, and it, 14 years later, it's still still standing. Amazing. What's um, the bar? It's a Chupido. So it's a, it's in Clark Key, right by the Singapore River. And this is version 3.0. So it's kind of involved. Right. As well. So we just opened less than six months ago. Oh, wow. Okay. This is the new location. It's a new location. Yeah. But the brand has been around for 14 years. And so you're, you're doing these, both these businesses now. And yeah. 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 Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, shortly after that, I also opened, uh, I went to school in Atlanta, Georgia. <laughs> so I opened like a Southern comfort food, soul food, bourbon bar. Nice. Uh, with live music and open mic. So kind of bring grits. Those slices. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, the first one, yeah. like chicken and waffles, yeah. and shrimp and grits, yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, but I guess um, through my journey, I, I really wanted to, I guess, create a brand and to kind of bring that brand, um, build that brand. So I feel like something that be um, something that's built to last, right? Um, rather than just um, running different concepts, which um, is very operationally driven. Like right. I have the best concept, but it's, you know, the day-to-day -day operations. I wanted to build something that could, well, you did something pretty pioneering for Singapore <laughs> and, um, you know, I mean, back in India as well. So I think in the last 10 years is when we've seen gin becoming, um, you know, being being made like a home, homegrown brands sort of uh, coming up. Mm -hmm. And um, and it's amazing to see the number of brands we have in India today. Um, and you've done exactly the same for uh, Singapore, which is which is incredible. So, uh, I mean, Satish, who's your business partner, mentioned that you guys started the process of conceptualizing this um, this idea of creating a gym uh, 10 years before you actually launched in 2018. Uh, so what was that process of learning? I mean, this is something completely new. And firstly, you know, why gym? Yeah. So I started this process in 2012. Like that was the first right. part of the idea. Um, I had actually taken a year off, I booked a one-way ticket to travel the world. And as people in F&B do, you know, you go around the world and you eat and drink your way around. That's what I'm doing here. Right. <laughs> and so, um, and I guess that's the best way to know a country, right? To food and their drinks. And I was, you know, doing that. And I realized that, you know, how come every country, um, and some people call their own I mean, food, yes, but also drinks-wise, right? Um, and they're infusing a lot of their local herbs and spices and ingredients into um, their drinks. And as a Singaporean, I felt it's a huge shame that we didn't have some moment. And so that kind of the first seed of the idea so in 2012. And so um, towards the tail end of my trip, I actually diverted um, my way and found my way in the U.S. where I actually took a distilling course um, in Washington State. Um, and after that, while running my two other venues, I actually made a trip every year to go and practice or to learn um, from someone, from a distillery. 
So, I mean, that's amazing from a learning perspective, but what about, you know, um, from a sort of just regulation, regulatory and legal perspective of creating an alcohol brand right. in Singapore? Yes. What was that like? Was it a learning curve for the, the authorities as much as it was for you? Definitely, or, yeah. very much so. Um, we took about three years to get, I didn't think about get, uh, reaching out to the authorities until three years later, once we had the recipe done, once we knew how to distill and everything was locked in place, then we started the application process. Uh, so this was back in 2015 and um, no one knew um, to do, um, which authority to go to. There wasn't a distilling license sure. at all. Um, we were given a brewery license. Being distilled, that was being distilled? No, no wow. there was nothing in 2015. We're given a micro brewing license and they're like, here, work on this. And I'm like, it's completely different. Like everything didn't apply and we have to literally write it one wow. by one. Yeah. So we finally, did, we did that. And then um, there's another hurdle, which is, you know, you're at this space right now and um, it's, you know, you have distillers, people come through, you can do the tour, you can do the school. Um, but what they actually wanted us was to be a pure manufacturing facility, which is the standard in Singapore. Mm -hmm. So pure industrial um, somewhere else. Um, but we fought really hard regulations wise to get this space and could be both commercial and industrial and so wow so, so a lot of first yeah, yeah i mean and amongst other things so the the licensing process probably took about three years yeah. so that must have been hugely challenging did you ever feel like giving up and saying um, I, I, this, is, this is crazy i don't know what i was thinking <laughs> yeah i mean for sure some days you're just like you know i mean I'm, with my determination i'm like it's gonna happen one day but i'm like I don't know how this is gonna happen, uh, but we'll, we'll make it happen. Yeah, um, I guess, yeah, pure determ determination. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I read somewhere that you applied to like 500 different um, gin distilleries. What was that like? I mean, I mean, that's another big hurdle. Like, you know, of course, going to um, doing the formal sort of training process is one bit, but then getting the hands-on experience is a whole different thing. So. Uh, you know, what was that like? Yeah, I mean, the hands-on the hands -on thing is very, very important. Because once you do the course, you have all the theoretical knowledge and know where to apply, right? And um, yeah, I mean, obviously, no distillery was, you know, so willing to open their doors and be like, come here and show you everything we want. We'll yeah. teach you everything. Um, so it was through friends of friends and through personal contacts that we actually managed to do it. Otherwise, you know, like you said, 500 people and no one said yes, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, so we had to apprentice um, Gonstead in Charleston, South Carolina, and then we went to the UK, and finally we ended up in the Black Forest in Germany, and we literally, there was us going there and just knocking on doors and like, you know, speaking to people and getting to know the community of distillers that we all about how much they distiller. So you finally launched the brand in 2018. Yeah. Um, what's the response been like? Um, you know, uh, did your sales shoot up during COVID, <laughs> or uh, was that a pretty challenging time for you? You know, what's the, what's the last four or five years been like. So 2018 we launched and then we said, well, I told my team 2019 will focus on Singapore because we're here to build a Singapore brand right. and we need Singaporeans to know about it from going overseas. And so 2019 was spent really in Singapore doing a lot of events. Uh, and then 2020 we said, we'll go overseas, but I, I guess you know how that story turned yeah. out. So 2020, 21, 22 was really spent just kind of, you know, surviving COVID. Um, and yes, um, definitely change sales went up in the first bit, first yeah. half of it. Um, but, you know, we have multiple revenue streams. So just cause the e-commerce or the gin bottle sales went up, you know, all the, the bars, restaurants the restaurants are shut, the bars are shut, the hotels are shut. We couldn't have, the tasting room here is shut. We mm -hmm. couldn't do our experiences. So, you know, some went up, but the rest were like basically close to zero. So, you know, 
but we pulled through, we made it through the hardest part of it. So now this is the year where we're just starting to, you know, I guess get back on track and start you know, start to all next one hundred. So, so uh, just coming back to the product for a second, um, what makes it uniquely Singaporean? So I think Singapore is very different. When we first launched, I was like, you know, obviously people know the London Drive style of gym. And we were like, we don't want to just do a London Drive, right? Because I think London Drive is great. Um, that's what people know as the standard of gin, but it typically is quite driven forward and quite heavy. So it's great for colder weather like in the UK, but what we wanted to do was to not only showcase the herbs and spices that we know in Southeast Asia that we're familiar with in our cuisine, but also to create a tropical gin. So something that makes you feel like, you know, you're in something fresh, refreshing, something hot day on the beach and you drink that, right? Not London Drive, not whiskey meat, mm -hmm. for example. Right. Yeah. Interesting. So, um, you know, you, you uh, had to pause your international expansion, but uh, um, are we are we looking to expect this in India anytime soon? Or what, what, what's the uh, international foray looking like for you? I hope so. Hopefully India and hopefully the rest of the world. Um, we just got into Hong Kong. We're um, getting into other countries like Australia, um, UK is already there. See, um, we're doing the US as well. China. So, you know, slowly starting to get back on track and start restarting a lot of conversations that were happening pre COVID. Um, but we are in a few um, countries already and hopefully in here. Yes. <laughs> well, I mean, I've tasted it and uh, I'm looking forward to seeing it in, in India. Um, but, you know, it's gin is currently exploding around the world, right? I mean, even in India, um, you know, if not every month, every couple of months, there's a new gin uh, on the block. And uh, it's something that, you know, there are some which are very distinctive and people are beginning to um, find their favorites. Uh, you know, we're even seeing sort of uh, flavored gins, we're seeing, um, you know, slow gin. It's, it's definitely something that's evolving. And, you know, I think people are more willing to try and experiment with local gin. So it's amazing. Uh, but what, what's the sort of response been in Singapore? And are you seeing more gin brands sort of, um, you know, launching here? Is it a trend that's really picking up here as well? I mean, it's quite hard to open a gin brand in Singapore just because like everything is expensive. It's expensive to manage right. here. And, uh, so, you know, and Singapore is quite a small market as well. So, I mean, there are a few of us now since we've launched. Um, but yeah, I'm not sure if there'll be any more, but it's currently like three, four companies. And, you know, I'm not sure if more to come, but um, I think our sites as well, it's not only just the focus on Singapore. Obviously, it is an important market for us, um, but this brand was built really to be, to go beyond the shores of Singapore. Yeah, no, I'm sure it will. You know, I get asked this a lot uh, as a female entrepreneur yeah. um, and restauranter that, you know, what are sort of, uh, what are the challenges for me? Uh, what's it like here for you? You know, I mean, is that, uh, especially when you're looking at creating a spirit? I think for me, I just kind of, you know, I've always just done what I, I want to do. Um, so even when I first opened the bar, for example, we were, we were 24 and I uh, was just two young girls and uh, I opened a Clark Key, mm -hmm. which was, uh, you know, very, very dominated by, like, I guess, middle-aged, like, local male bar owners. And, and so it was just kind of like, okay, we'll figure it out as we go along. And sometimes we use that um, to our advantage. Sometimes it worked against us. Yeah. But, um, you know, I think I've always just been um, kind of like not letting gender stand in the way and just kind of doing thing even in the distilling world like uh, I mean there are more and more female distillers or people running distilling companies out there but you know when even when I wrote into distilleries or every single distillery that I visited like 
I had never seen um, a woman have mm. it. Right. And then something that I realized later on, it wasn't like, oh no, like, you know, why is it so new about me? It was just like, I guess that's happened. what it is. And like, you know, we just do our thing. Yeah. But I guess at Brass Life, you know, we, we never let that stand away. So like, you know, there's me, but our brand ambassador is female, but our master blender, you know, uh, she's like female. I feel like females, like women have a bit more sensitive to like taste and taste, like, they're a bit more, I guess, detail-oriented. As you can see when you go to gym school as well, yeah. like a lot of people that teach during the gym school, they use like take down yeah. and they like taste it. And so I feel like, you know, we, we make we make the most of it and we do what works for us, right? Yeah, no, I mean, I agree. And the guys do the heavy lifting. Yeah. Uh, no, I agree. I mean, I think it's something that you just keep your head down and keep doing what you do and, uh, you know, take it a day at a time. What keeps me up at night is, uh, you know, it's the education piece because people are used to the big brands and you hear, you know, Will Hendrix and Monkey and all of that. And people are used to that. So they tend to carry what they know. Mm-hmm. But it's how do we do go through the education piece and how do we, you know, then slowly get to bring the brand out to the market and say, hey, what about Brass Lion instead, you know? Or, you know, now um, a lot of people, they go to the bars or local bars and say, well, why do you not have Google Cheers? But that's an education piece because most bars would just take brands that we know, right? right? And many people may not even know that there's a local gym available, right? Right. So you do need the support of the community to um, sure. put it out there. And what's behind the name? Uh, obviously, the lion is uh, Singapore, Singapore but uh, what's what's behind? Brass lion. So we're inspired by the lions that kind of watch over the house. If you go outside, you see this lion oh. out there, yeah. But like the two lions, um, they in front of the house like by the gates, they kind of oh, watch yeah. over guardians and they guard the house and protect the house. So if you look at our crest, it's two lions surrounding the still. Mm-hmm. So kind of like the protectors of guardians of the still and the product. Um, I think at the heart of it, you know, a lot of um, brands and bigger brands, they have the marketing and all that. But I think it's our little saying that at the heart of it all, it's the product and protecting the brand, right? Yeah. Um, so Jamie, of course, you have your classic gin, a classic style gin, or dry um, gin. The, the dry gin, but um, you've also got the Pahit Pink, am I saying that right? Yeah. yeah. Um, so, and, and the Blue Pea, yeah, the Butterfly Pea. So, um, tell us about these two and, you know, what, what made you pick these and what's unique about these two um, varieties? So the Butterfly Pea Gin actually um, is modeled after, um, you know, if you look at the label, it's Paranatan House. Mm. And so I understand you went to the gym yeah. earlier, you can see the house. Oh, it's a common feature in a lot of Paranakan houses. Right, right, right. Um, and the reason for using the butterfly pea is because, not just for the color, I feel like, you know, um, a lot of people, maybe if they use it um, for the color, it's like one thing, but we use it actually because it's tied to our heritage and our Paranakan heritage. So like, um, it's used a lot in local Paranakan cooking. Right. So for example, like um, the blue coconut rice, yes. the natural blue yes. comes from the butterfly pea powder. Right. So that's the reason why we use it in our... Um, and how would you describe the flavor profile? So this is actually a floral gin. So uh, lavender is the main botanical here. Um, and along with butterfly pea flower, which is actually very early, it's not much top flavor, so that's why the lavender works to enhance that. Um, and so this is obviously uh, color changing; it yeah. changes from from pink. Uh, but it's a fun, it's a fun drink. And um, you know, if you look at the Peranakan house, I think that's something that's very, very unique to us. The Peranakan house, absolutely. Oh, that's beautiful. And then we've got this one. So tell us about the pink. So pahit actually means bitter in Malay. Um, when the British came to Singapore during the war, they used to drink this cocktail called pink gin, which is essentially gin or bushra bitters and sweetened slightly. Mm-hmm. So they continued to drink this drink, but um, it became known as pahit, gin pahit in bars because it's gin and bitters and it's bitter in Malay. Right. Yeah. So 
um, this gin, we actually recreated it because when the British left Singapore, um, it fell out of favor and you don't see it around anymore. So we've tried to bring it back. Um, instead of using like a British gin, for example, we use the Singapore dry gin as the base for this. Um, instead of using Angustra bitters, which is Trinidad and Tobago, we've made our own house-made Singapore bitters, um, featuring a lot of um, herbs and spices from the traditional Chinese medicine shops. Mm -hmm. So things like cloves, sarinates, nutmeg, um, hawthorn flowers, um, yeah, roselle. Yeah. Amazing. And you've got the map. Oh, of the world here. So hopefully you'll conquer that very soon. <laughs> world domination. <Yes. laughs> um, and how do you recommend drinking this? So this is actually, it can be drank old-fashioned style. So just like um, on the rocks. Mm -hmm. uh, I like to drink it. It's very simple, but it's like it with hot chocolate. Really? Um, it makes a great spiked, boozy hot chocolate. What so a great idea. Hot chocolate, shot of this. Whipped cream. <laughs> it's oh great for God. Christmas. Um, it's great as a base for mount wine as well or an espresso martini. Yeah. Wow, interesting, interesting. I've never put gin actually in my mulled wine, so I'm trying that. Because <laughs> all the spices are in there. Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, if you're uh, in Singapore or uh, wherever Brass Lion is, just uh, definitely try it out and um, congratulations again. Yeah. And uh, we really look forward to seeing it in India. <laughs> Hopefully soon, yeah.